Well, good afternoon, everyone. If you have your Bible, let's go to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews 11. This afternoon, we're going to be looking at what is often a, a very um, popular chapter, in, in, even in the world, they, they refer to this chapter as the Hall of Faith, the Hall of Fame of Faith. Uh, people refer to the, the people that are listed in this chapter as the heroes of the faith. As I was um, even considering heroes, uh, I, I, I got to thinking about one of the games that we play at camp. One of my favorites is Tube Tug. How many of you guys have ever played Tube Tug? All right. It's a classic game, isn't it? Everyone gets a number, and uh, whenever your number is called, you run, and you tug the tube to your side. It's that simple. And um, as, as I was thinking about Tube Tug, and, and it gets really funny whenever we change up the numbers and we put in a, a, a name of an animal, okay? A dog, a cat, whatever it is. And then, and then we do the superhero round, okay? We do you know, Superman, and you do Spider-Man, and Aquaman, and uh, Wonder Woman, whoever the, whoever the superheroes are, we put them in the, in the mix. And then, with the last one, we always say, and the last is the greatest superhero of all, it's your mom, right? <laughs> Some of you guys might agree with me that our moms are probably the greatest superheroes of all, Right? Uh, if, if, they're, if they're willing and patient enough to put up with us, they, they are pretty awesome. But you have to, whether or not you acknowledge that your mom is a superhero, as you start considering all these superheroes, you have to, you have to acknowledge that they're not real people, okay? They're not, they're not actual true stories. Uh, it's, it's all fiction. But we do have heroes that we can look at. We have people that we can look up to. And Hebrews 11 includes a huge list. And even in addition to this, it can, if you were to continue this chapter through modern day, I'm sure we'd have names included in there like some of the biographies you have in your booklet in the, that are on the book, the book table back in the back. You'd have people like David Livingston, George Mueller, Hudson Taylor, Jim Elliott, Mary Slessor, Adoniram Judson, Elizabeth Elliott, William Carey. All these people are these heroes of the faith. They've lived their lives and they've lived them well. One of these heroes in the mid-1800s, that was John Payton. Uh, pastor mentioned him earlier. He found himself on the challenging mission field in the New Hebrides seeking to minister to a community of cannibals. It's not very fun, not very exciting, kind of scary. But amidst the difficulties of the cultural differences and the language barriers, he was trying to translate Scripture for them. He's trying to explain it. And he got to the portion of Scripture where it talks about faith, and he's trying to explain faith, but they didn't have a word for faith. He couldn't, he couldn't figure out how to, how to communicate this to them. And then later on, a native comes into his, his area there and he sits down on a chair, kind of like you guys had the chair up here. He just plops himself down, even puts his feet up. His whole entire weight was on the chair. And there was a word for it. Believe it or not, it's one word in their language. And so all of a sudden it hit John Payton. It's like this is it, to rest your entire Wait 
on something. And so, uh, even in the language of those people, that phrase, I'm resting my entire weight upon, that whole thing is like one word. And so, John Payton used that to translate the word believe. So, when you get to John 3.16, you would read in his translation something like, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever rests his entire weight upon Him should not perish but have everlasting life. You know, as I was thinking about that and, and even uh, how to... How to communicate faith, how to communicate belief. What would, what would John Payton have done when he got to Hebrews 11? Look at this, look at this passage with me. And if you just start in verse, three, uh, verse 4, just scan through the, the very first few letters, first few words of each verse. It says, by faith, Abel. By faith, Enoch. Without faith, verse 7, by faith, Noah, verse 8, by faith, Abraham, uh, verse 9, by faith, he sojourned, um, verse 11, through faith, over and over and over. The word faith shows up like 25 times just in this one chapter. Faith is a big deal. You can't, you can't communicate Scripture and you can't communicate salvation. If you don't have the word faith, you know, there are plenty of people who have lived remarkable lives, and John Payton is one of them. And even as we look at this list in Hebrews 10, we're going to see many more people who have lived very significant and, and even commendable lives. But we're going to see, first of all, who these people are. And my very basic outline is this. Who are the people of faith that are included here in Hebrews 11? And what does their faith look like? And then how can we be people of faith? Who are these people of faith? What does their faith look like? And how can we be people of faith. Let's pray as we get into the Word. Father, I thank You so much for this awesome passage, a highlight in Scripture to see what Your heart is on faith, what You want to teach us about how we can learn, how we can learn from people of faith, but also how we can be people of faith. And not just faith in ourselves, but faith in You. Help us now to trust in you, to rely on what you can do. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So, who are these people of faith? Here's the list up here on the screen. You see all of these different people that are in the list, uh, and it goes through a lot of individuals. You see individual people like Abel, Enoch, Noah, Abraham, Sarah, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph. There's some that are more groups. You know, it says, by faith, they, or by faith, the prophets. So there are these kind of categorical statements, but ultimately you see this huge list of all these individuals, and most of them would have been well-known. Most of them would have been very well-known even in the first century Christianity. Um, you could say that they were famous. Even that's, that's probably why they call it the hall of fame of faith. The, the chapter 11, the hall of faith, it's this, it's this 
this list of all of these very powerful and important people throughout Scripture. Um, Some of them even living thousands of years before Hebrews was written. I mean, think about it, for for real. (laughs) How many of you think that you are going to be talked about in a thousand years? I mean, that's, that's pretty incredible to think about someone who was, who was well-known enough, that was, that was notable enough to be talked about in, in thousands of years uh, later, and even for us today, we're still talking about them and still looking up to them. The first century Christians would have known all about these people, using them in storytelling or their, their, even their family gatherings. They would have known about these names. They're positive, well-known historical figures. Now, we're going to get off, right off the bat, we're going to know that they're not perfect people, but they were overarchingly in their culture positive, well-known historical figures. It might be similar to, you know, sharing stories about people from your family. Have you ever heard a story from your grandparents? Yeah? You've ever heard stories from your parents? We used to joke with my dad. (laughs) We'd be like, hey, dad, tell us a story from your childhood. And we did it as a joke, but then he always had a new story. (laughs) Some of them were just simple little stories about how he, uh, he, you know what armor all is? He sprayed armor all on the leather seats in his car. And when he took my mom out on a date, they were like, they couldn't even, like they they kept slipping off the seat every time they drove. And and it was like just a hilarious thing. He just did all these goofy things as a a kid. And it was fun to hear his stories. Um, my, My mom, she had some great stories about my grandpa. My grandpa, he fought in World War II, and so, so we tried really hard to, to, to gather as many of those stories as we can, and, and just to gather them for our own selves. He, he was there on the beaches of Normandy, you know, storming the banks of Normandy, D-Day, and I mean, he was, he was a, a combat medic. The, the stories are incredible to hear about his, his courage, his bravery, Yet at the same time, he had, he had like an overwhelming sympathy, and he, he would break down in tears to tell these stories. You better believe that my grandpa is hanging on a hall of fame for my family. His story is hanging there, and we look back at him and say, wow, now there's a man of courage. And we can praise him, and his story can sort of live on even in our memories. And that's what's going on with all of these, these, these stories of the people in Hebrews 11. It's like a hall of fame for Bible characters. It's not comprehensive. It's not like it's everyone in the whole entire Bible that's popular or, or well-known or, or they did something good, but it is a great representation. In the book of Hebrews, it's, it's written to, believe it, or not, believe it or not, it's written to Hebrew people. I know that's a surprise. But Hebrews was written to these these people who came out of the Jewish faith. They were Jewish Christians, and and the Jewish uh, religion had become almost perverted in their understanding of the Old Testament and making it more about works. You read about the laws, you know, the, 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 the Pharisees, they added all the laws that's what, that's what these Jews were starting to believe. They, they started to believe all of these, these laws had to be followed in order to have a right standing with God. So, so as the, the writer of Hebrews is writing, and we don't really know who it is, but as he's writing to these people, he's writing to people 
that are coming out of a, a religion that, that, that thinks about works. They're focusing on works. And, and maybe you're here today and you, you know enough about the Bible and you could say, oh, we are not saved by our works. I know that for sure. Sometimes we, we don't live like people of faith, though. So it's written to these Hebrew people, and it, it would have been common ground for them and, and for him to say, by faith, over and over and over again. It would have been like, oh, wow. So he's not just throwing this word out there as a little thing. This is a major part of his, of his teaching. The, these readers would have known all about these Bible characters. And if, if, if you were to think, who are some people that we know about today? What are modern day examples of very famous people? All right. Who, who has uh, some examples of famous people today? Yes, sir. LeBron, LeBron James. Yeah. Tom Cruise. Yeah. Joe Biden. Joe Biden. <laughs> yes. Taylor Swift. Yeah. She's all over the place. Yeah. Mr. Beast, yeah, YouTube stars, yeah. Who? Not popular enough for me. Um, how, about, how about Jeff Bezos? Elon Musk, right? There are some really popular people in our world, and, and all of a sudden you start to say their names, and what do you think about? What they do. You think about their lives, man, LeBron James is basketball, and you think about Jeff Bezos and this empire that he's built with, with Amazon, and you think of the, the inventions or the ingenuity and the creativeness of, of Elon Musk, and uh, you, you have all of these things that come to your mind when you think of these people. And so here's this list of popular people. And you could, you could read Hebrews 11 like that. Wow, look at all these people that, that the Bible talks about a lot. Abel and Enoch and, and Noah and Abraham. These are really famous people. But is that all this is? No. It's not just a list of famous people. It's a list of people who are actually commendable. They were commendable for something. Now, Someone that's commendable is someone who has like maybe a quality about their life or they, they did something, they had an action or their, their behavior, their, just their character was really honorable. Um, they, they had a positive vibe on their life. You could say they are good people, right? But they're not perfect. We were pointing out earlier in the first session that people sin. I mean, Moses was a murderer, and then he fell over and over and over, leading the people out of, out of uh, Egypt, and I mean, he, he, he did some things that were wrong. He lost his temper. He struggled to obey. Abraham <laughs> kind of deceived Abimelech, and he said that Sarah was his sister. Noah got drunk, committed incest. We have Jacob, who was a deceiver. Moses, uh, he was a murderer. Rahab was a harlot. That's just a start of people that are in this list that are praised. What, what, so, why, so none of these people should we think of as perfect people, as, as model citizens that we should live every part of our life after. That's not what this is. Yet they are commendable for some amazing things. Like, for instance, you got Noah, who literally built a boat. 
in his backyard or wherever he was that was, okay, longer than a football field. Get this picture in your mind. He built it without like cranes and without the modern technology that we have today, but he was able to build a massive ark. And what was even more amazing to me is that at the time, he was about 500 years old. <laughs> I, know, I know the time was a little bit different back there, but, but he was 500 years old when he built this boat. And it withstood the, the, the earth breaking open and waters flowing out in a flood over the earth. I mean, it was incredible. That's pretty commendable. Moses, he led the Israelites out of slavery in Egypt across the Red Sea. I mean, you think of William Wilberforce or, or maybe like a Harriet Tubman who was used to deliver slaves to freedom. And that's a pretty commendable thing. Here's Moses doing this. Uh, like, that's awesome. Rahab, she showed bravery. You could praise her for that. All these people, like even, even Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, the judges, you could, you could say that they are commendable because they led such military campaigns. They secured freedom for the Israelites. It was a pretty awesome thing. So, these people are commendable. If you were to commend some of those popular people we were talking about earlier, Elon Musk, you could, you could praise him for his innovation. He's, he's pretty commendable in that way. Jeff Bezos is commendable for his, his building of uh, Amazon, the e-commerce realm. Michael Jordan is commendable for his unparalleled basketball skill. Mother Teresa is commendable for humanitarian efforts and for feeding the poor. Um, Martin Luther King Jr. is commendable. You, you could go down a list of all kinds of people in our modern day that are commendable, but are they commendable to God? Let me ask it this way. Does, does God, is God really impressed? It's like, look, I made a rocket that goes into outer space, and it can come down and land vertical. That's awesome. God says, well, I made outer space. Or someone says, hey, look, I, I fed all of these poor people in Africa, and I provided this many meals. And Jesus says, well, I am the bread of life. And I can create food, and I can feed thousands of people in one sitting. Or someone, even someone in your school saying, look at me. I just scored the winning point for our basketball team. <laughs> and Jesus says, I just won the victory over sin and death on the cross. You see, it's not even on the same level, right? You see, people that are commendable in, in, in the world's eyes is totally different than people who are commendable by God. People that can be praised and, and, and honored because of, because of what they've done. And it's not even really what they've done. It's, we'll see in a second, it's their faith. Hebrews 11, verse 6, we looked at this verse, but re remember, without faith, it is impossible to please God. So all these people, if they don't have faith, it's nothing. So what is it that makes people commendable by God? 
Is it giving in church? Is it serving? Is it having a really nice voice to sing a solo? Is it, is it uh, maybe, maybe serving in nursery? Is it, um, you know, just being really, really talented? No. Those are nice things. I mean, even people thinking about praying in class. And, you know, I've, I've heard some people who pray and they're like, man, that was a really good prayer. And they want to be praised almost for their prayer. I mean, that's what the scribes and the Pharisees did. I mean, they would pray on street corners to be praised, to be looked at by people. So, so what does it mean to be commendable by God? And Hebrews 11 mentions the object or the basis or, or what these people are being commended for over and over and over. It's pretty easy to see. Verse 4, by faith, Abel offered. By faith. Enoch was translated into heaven. By faith, Noah, he built the ark. By faith, Abraham went to the place he was supposed to go. By faith, he and Sarah had a, 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 a massive nation come out of them. And then by faith, all these people, um, Abraham was tried and he believed the promises. By faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau. By faith, Jacob. By faith, Joseph. Over and over and over. They were commended not because of what they did in of them, their own selves, but because of their faith in God. Each of them deep down realized, you could say this, they didn't, they didn't do the work. It wasn't their achievement or their sacrifice that was amazing. It was God who did the work through them. It was God who led them. And the same thing today is that people are commendable by God when they put their faith in Him. So who are these people? This is a huge list, but we're going to look at some of these people specifically in a little bit uh, in our third session. But a lot of these people are wonderful people of faith. But what does their faith really look like? What does their faith look like? In, in the world, people of faith are, are just people who have a strong conviction about something, okay? They, they might have faith that they're going to pass the test. They might have faith in, in something as simple as like, you know, getting well. Um, the, a definition in the world might be a, a person of faith is someone who holds a strong and unwavering belief in something beyond what is immediately evident or provable. This belief often extends to a religious or spiritual context, but it can also encompass trust in principles, values, or unseen aspects of life. You can say it this way, everyone has faith. What were we saying earlier? It takes more faith to be an atheist than it does to believe that God created the earth. Everyone has faith. Buddhists have faith. Mormons have faith. Catholics have faith. There's this thing called the faith movement where, where they even take faith to a whole another level where they say, man, if I, if I have enough faith, then I can change my financial situation. I can change my health. I can change whatever life situation, job I'm in if I just have faith. You might have even seen these people on TV and they, they ask you to give money. And if you give money, then God will bless you. And if God doesn't bless you, then they say, well, you didn't have enough faith. <laughs> they're making up their own faith. And, and see, but everyone has their own faith. 
whether it's real or whether it's in the right thing or not. Basically, you know, whatever, whatever you want to believe in, is, you, can, you can have faith in. Even at a very natural level, we have faith every day. You're, you're sitting in a, a pew, a chair, you know, you're, you're walking on the floor. You trust that it's not going to fall out from underneath you. You, you, you drove in a car and you trusted, um, you trusted the people around you. Maybe you drove over a bridge. Anyone drive over a bridge? Have you ever, have you ever seen the videos of bridges falling down? I mean, wouldn't that be incredible if you're driving over a bridge and literally it falls into the water? We trust bridges every time we drive. And, and, and it's amazing to think about how many bridges you drive over. You, you trust airplanes and you trust all these things. We have a level of trust. Everyone does. But the trust that we're talking about in Hebrews 11 is, the, is a different kind of trust. It's much deeper. It's a God-given ability. It says it up here. To trust the future that God has for you. And He's promised it to you. It's a God-given ability. And, and this is what you have to have in order to really trust in God. So whenever you come to Hebrews 11, you'll start to see that faith is a conviction. Faith is a conviction. It's something that goes deeper than just what you're doing. It is a conviction in your own heart. You believe it's the foundation for a pleasing relationship with God. Um, also, faith is demonstrated through action. The individuals that are mentioned in Hebrews 11 demonstrated their faith. They showed it to people. Um, it's demonstrated through action. Faith also trusts in God's promises. Many of the people that were listed in uh, the passage, they were actually, um, uh, they, they trusted in God's promises. Abraham trusted a promise that God made to him. That's pretty crazy promise that you would have a child even though he was like almost 100 years old. Faith perseveres through trials. You see all these, a lot of these people in the list, they, would, they went through some pretty serious trials. Moses, he had to go through the, the wilderness for 40 years. Faith focuses on the unseen and, and even the focus on heavenly things. You see that they are, many of the people in Scripture in these passages are are. They're looking ahead to heaven. They have a heavenly focus. They live like pilgrims here. Faith seeks God's approval. It doesn't seek man's approval. And that's verse 6 again. But ultimately, if you were to fast forward to the end of the chapter, and even into verse in chapter 11 or 12, faith looks to Jesus. Even from Abel, or Adam and Eve for that matter, they were looking to Jesus. They didn't know what His name was going to be. They didn't know when He was coming. But even in Genesis 3, there was this promise of a serpent crusher, a snake crusher that would crush the head of the serpent and, and the, the seed of a woman. And, and there was this promise way back when, and that was Jesus. And so all these people that had faith, they were looking ahead towards the Messiah, and they trusted that He would come. They were trusting Old Testament Scriptures. And then the New Testament looks to Christ and it trusts that He, through His death, burial, resurrection alone, He's the only way that can bring true uh, faith to its fullest realization. So is faith the foundation of your life? We're talking about the pillars. 
Are they at the root of your life? Or is it something that you just put on whenever it's time to be spiritual or go to church? It's really easy to look like a Christian. Is your, is your faith active? Is it filled with actions that back it up? Or is it dead faith, like James talks about? Is your faith ready to give up whenever a trial happens in your life? Or are you, are you trusting God even through those? Do you have faith that is real? Do you often look for human examples rather than running to Jesus? Go to your friends first. Faith is this God-given ability to trust in the future that God has promised for you. So not only do we look at these, these individuals, who these people of faith are in Hebrews 11, but we also see what their faith looked like. And finally, I want to see how we can be people of faith. How can we be people of faith? Very simply, I want us to start with salvation. I want you to grow through seeking. And then thirdly, we will culminate with seeing Jesus Christ. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, it says, For by grace are you saved through faith. You're saved through faith. That's how you're saved. That's what it starts and even Galatians 2.16 says, you're knowing that a man is not justified by works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. It starts with faith. Um, Romans 10 is an awesome passage, and it goes through talking about how we have faith in, in hearing the Word of God. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. At camp, we have two bells. One of them is on top of our dining hall. All right, and you ring that whenever it's mealtime, all right? People come and run in wherever we are, and we stop and we eat, all right? Um, we have another bell that's uh, up at the top of the hill next to our barn. It's a little bell, and it doesn't have a rope. It doesn't have anything to pull it. It's actually a secret little way to, to pull it. And one, uh, one evening after a service, a girl responded, she realized that she needed this kind of faith that we're talking about here to be saved. She prayed with her counselor that night, and her life was transformed. When she prayed, after she prayed, her counselor said, Hey, listen, you know that bell that's out there? If you want to just let the campsite know, right now, right here, if you want, we can go get a, 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 the little stick over there. We can ring that bell, and, and you can just tell your friends about it. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. You know, that's kind of that, that picture. So she goes out there and she rings this bell. People are all over the place. I mean, they're down at Cool Beans in the sweet shop. They're playing basketball, pickleball. They're all over the place. And all of a sudden, she rings this bell and the whole campsite stops. And everyone turns and looks up the hill. And they just start cheering and clapping. And it was, it was, it was awesome. It was electric all over the campsite. You see, there's this, this faith that, that starts with salvation. When you put your faith and trust in Christ, that's the start of a relationship with Christ. But not only does it start, it has to grow, and it grows with seeking God. Hebrews 11.6, what's that word at the end? It says, 
um, without faith it's impossible to please Him. For he that cometh to God must believe that He is and that He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. Seek God. Proverbs 8, 17 says, I love them and that love me and those that seek me early shall find me. I hope that you have this time of prayer and scripture reading that's just precious to you. I hope that it's early in the morning when you could start your day and just say, this is my time with God. I have four children, all of them boys, four boys. Our house is loud, crazy, and uh, a lot of fun. And um, when they were younger, I, I tried to help out, you know, when, the, when they were babies. I, I would get a, a bottle ready the night before and put it in the fridge. And then I'd come out, I'd heat it up, and then I'd, I'd feed one of my boys, you know, so my wife could sleep in. And I'll tell you, without fail, they would, they would let me know that they were thirsty, they were hungry. They would, they would cry, they would scream, they would, they would uh, not stop. They were incessant until they got their food. You could say that they were hungry. They, uh, and what, what's interesting is, the more I fed them, the more they grow. My oldest, he's like 10 years old, and he's like up to here now. <laughs> I mean, I'm like, what in the world? He's so big. And I don't even, last time I remember, I was holding him like this and putting that bottle in his mouth. Kids grow, right? They grow when they eat. In 1 Peter 2.2, it says, As newborn babes, desire that sincere milk of the Word so that you can grow thereby. My boys have grown the more they eat. And it's the same way with, with our time in the Word. The more you spend time with God, the more you're going to grow. And so you grow by seeking God. Your faith will grow the more you seek God. And finally, it culminates with seeing Christ. It culminates with seeing Christ. This life of faith is described as, as a journey. Get into Hebrews 12 and it says that it is almost like a race where you're surrounded by this cloud of witnesses. We're going to hear about this later. You're coming into the finish line and you see your author, the finisher of your faith. He's up there. It's Jesus. It's a race. And, And here we are in this marathon of life and we continue this constant pursuit all throughout life, seeking God. And ultimately, we look forward to seeing Him. And I hope that you have somewhat of an excitement about that time, that day when you get to see Jesus Christ. I hope that you look forward to that. It takes a lot of faith to look forward to that day, though. And and it culminates with this, looking unto Jesus you know, my boys love dressing up like superheroes, and um, <laughs> my five-year-old, his name is Asher, he's so cute. Um, he's five, but he's, he's like the size of a three-year-old. He's, he's like itty-bitty. When he climbs into that polyester one-piece Thor costume, complete with padded uh, shoulder things with all the, the cotton stuffing in there, whenever he climbs into that thing, he is Thor. 
right? I mean, he might only weigh 25 pounds, but he is Thor. I don't, I don't know how much he weighs, but uh, he, he's tiny, but he, he fits into this thing, and, and he walks around, he pretends like he's Thor. He loves to pretend like that. Same thing with my eight-year-old putting on the Spider-Man costume. He shoots out his sticky webs all over the place. He loves it. At least he pretends to shoot sticky webs. Those, those boys look up to superheroes in, in some sense. You know, they, they like them. They're fascinated by them. They want to imitate them. In our world, there are plenty of superheroes in comic books and movies, and I, I can't even keep up with the world of Marvel and DC. I can't even keep up because it seems like they just keep growing. There are so many sports stars. There's always going to be someone who's better. So many celebrities, so many musicians, so many smart people in our world. So many people that just have more followers. There's so many people out there you might want to look up to. You might even want to be like them. You might want to wear their jersey, their name on the back. You might want to wear their shoes, right? You might want to be like them. But guys, these heroes are so temporal. And to gain an eternal and a real and a God-honoring perspective on, on heroes in general, we have to go to Scripture. And, and, and it's almost like we're coming into that finish line, and I can't wait to, to get to this point. In Hebrews 12, when, when you get to that finish point and, and you're surrounded by these clouds of witnesses, all of these saints who've gone before you, you're passing through the, the Abels and the Moses and the Noahs and the Abrahams, and you're going past all the, the other missionaries of, uh, of the past who have given their lives for Christ, and you're going to the very end. You're not, you see them, and you're, you're being applauded, and you're... You, you, you go past them, but all of a sudden you look up and you see Jesus. And, and here he is. And, and you, might, you might say, man, I want to be like Moses. I want to be like David. I want to be like Adoniram Judson. I want to be like George Mueller with my prayer life. And you might say those things, but ultimately I hope that you say, I want to imitate Jesus. I want to be like him. And as simple as a little kid putting on a costume of a superhero, I hope that you could learn to put on what Jesus Christ is. You trust Him. You live lives that look forward to Him. You live lives of faith. Let's pray. Father, I thank You so much for this awesome passage. It points out so many people, so many individuals who are heroes. They, they're role models. They're people that we can, we can honor and we can, we can commend them for what they've done for you, their lives of faith. But ultimately, Lord, I pray that we wouldn't idolize any human being. Help us, though, to look to Christ, to look to Him, to seek Him with our whole life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.